Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Marshall Way podcast. As always, I am Bradley, and I am joined, as always, with by my good friend Connor. Connor, how are you today, my friend? I am always very good. How are you? I am always even better, especially when you ask. Especially when the weather's miserable, because then I know that everything's <laughs> good and everything is right with the world. So that that that's it. That this is how we know we're not in like some sort of parallel universe or in some sort of uh, coma is that the weather's bad yeah we're in england the weather's bad and we're both okay with it that's that that is called you know taking lemons and making lemonade i suppose so ladies and gentlemen we got up to rule number 60 last time in our epic slog through the kyokushin beginners guide by nathan legal and we're going to do as we always do we're going to go through about the next 10 to 15 rules we'll see where we get uh, and you know, we'll just we'll take each rule as they come. But as always, uh, especially recently, we would like to thank everyone uh, from the bottom of our hearts who are taking the time out of their day to listen to the podcast, to like and share all of our stuff over on Facebook, which is just the Marshall Way podcast. Uh, it does mean a lot to us. I know it means a lot to me. I know especially it means a lot to you, Connor, because uh, this only started yeah, as a bit of fun. But you know, with, yeah. when the, the views are starting to climb, growing. exactly. But we're getting people listening, and you know, the more people that listen, the more people that are starting to like and share the share the page, the closer we are getting away to actually giving away a copy of this Kyokushin Beginner's Guide. Um, which, once you have the guide, go back and listen to the podcast, reread what's in the rules. Everything will make a lot more sense. Uh, with what we're saying and we have plans coming up in the future for you know loads of different things obviously we're going to be finished this book at some point in the next few weeks so we will go on to other things uh other books you know the usc is always around there's always martial arts things to talk about there's a lot to go on about and we will get there in the end hopefully it never never ending uh, cycle of just finding new things to talk about so but to be to be in it to win the book you know, get to the Facebook page because that's where we'll, um, yes. we'll let people know how we're going to give that away. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's a great book. Uh, you know, if you can, if you can take the lessons is, in this, it is a very good book. Yeah, if you can take the lessons in this book and apply them to your life, let alone your actual martial arts journey, you will become a better person and a better everything, really. Uh, and it's just a fantastic book. Uh, like I say, we don't know what one we're going to talk about next, uh, but you know we've got a few weeks yet to decide that one. Uh, but we know whatever book we choose, it will be an absolute banger, uh, and it's what it'll be one Connor and I have both read, and it'll be one that everyone enjoys. Uh, so yeah, like Definitely. like and share the page, like and share the podcast on everywhere that you can find it. But for now, Connor, let's get back to this book because uh, we have a lot to get through. Back to the book, yeah. Back to the book. So, rule number 60, which is where we left off, which is everything you do is for effect. Show that you did what your teacher asked, but be careful. When your teacher asks something of you, answer with us. Is Answering with us is only half of what you have to do. You ha- also have to do the thing your teacher asked of you. More than that, though, you have to do it overtly enough that your kuhais can see that you did it. Imagine students punching in kibadachi, which is a low broad a horse stance, effectively, for everyone who doesn't know. They do 10 punches and the teacher points out that the stances aren't deep enough. Everyone answers us, but no one changes anything because it hurts. These are not Buddha Karataka. However, if everyone, not just half of them, but everyone shouts us, and like the fall floor, floor falling out, everyone drops down two inches lower where their muscles really burn, 
This then starts to resemble Budo Karate. But wait, is that really enough if every time whose students practice that same exercise, the teacher has to remind them deeper stances, please? I think the obvious answer there, Connor, is uh, no. You shouldn't have to be reminded every time yeah. to care. <laughs> it should just be something that happens. Yeah. Exactly. If you drop down into a kid, well, I mean, it happens. Everyone does it. But when you when you when you go to camps, everyone everyone uh, like I think I mentioned it in a few podcasts before. Everyone um, once once you've, once the instructor says right, everyone go down in Kibidachi. Um, uh, you all you see them see people slowly rise. <laughs> uh, so it's 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 quite a funny thing. And anyone who says that they've stood there for the the, the hour and a half they have you stood there for in Kibidachi mm-hmm. uh, and said that they stayed there completely still. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say they, they were slightly telling a little thing. Yeah, you know, for a fine fact, as soon as the instructor turns around to to address another instructor or walk back up the ranks, what's the, what, what you, or yeah. you're going to hear a collective sigh of relief slowly <laughs> growing from the back as the instructor walks yeah. up the side of the ranks. But the point, and it happens. It happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the point of what he's trying to make is, if you're going to do something, do it right. Do it right every do it time. Right, yeah. Don't half ask these things. I think. Yeah, and that that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's don't half ask it, but you're doing this for you. Yeah. You're not doing it for anyone else. So mm-hmm. if 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 if, if you're half arsing it, you're taking that benefit away from from yourself. Exactly. Um, and it, it, it does benefit you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is painful. It's in, painful in the moment. The the way I always try and tell people to cope with it is just try and shut your, your mind off of, over it. Yeah. Um. But you know, people 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 will work things out how to cope with it themselves. Uh, exactly. I mean, if you fa- don't cheat yourself. No, absolutely. And this goes for work as well, because again, you're doing this for you. Because if you if you half ass your job at work, and then it comes back that you're doing that, the only person that's going to suffer is you at the end of the day. And, you know, if you say you have a personal trainer, uh, someone who's doing, you know, providing you an online course and all of that, you can't pay X amount for a program, half-arse the workouts, half-arse your nutrition and go, well, it didn't work, give me my money back. You failed at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you can't just do all this, then get your, you you will end up probably getting your money back, but you can't do that kind of thing and then just start blaming that person for everything. This is for you. It's you doing it. No one's forcing you into Kibidachi. If you don't want to do it, leave the class. Go take up chess or something. Yeah, walk out, yeah. You know, you're doing this. I, I used to say that um, all, all the time when I was in class. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, I, I don't want people there who don't want to be there. It's One, it's 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 you're wasting your instructor's time, you're mm-hmm. wasting your own time, and you're wasting um, your fellow students' time. Yeah. It, if you don't want to be there, don't, just don't don't. One, don't turn up or just, just leave. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't waste people's time. Yeah, exactly. You know, go for, a, go for a slow walk somewhere if that's going to be the case. You know, if, the, if standing in a, in a crouched position, if it medically hurts you because you have issues with your knees or your hips, that's fine. No one's going to fight you on that. Yeah, but, but if you're just getting a bit of achy in the legs. should know about that. Yeah, but if you're just a bit achy in the legs, shut up and get deeper. That's when it counts. Yeah. You know, Mike, I think it was um, Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. I think it's Ali that said that you didn't count the sit-ups. Ali, he, counted yeah. when, he counted them when they hurt because that's when it counts. Hurting, yeah. You know, that's what you don't know where your limit is until you reach your limit. And then you go past the limit. That's why you, 
That's why I used to start counting them after two, wasn't it, Brad? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would sit there for two seconds and go, ah, great, now one, <laughs> three. <laughs> now I'm stinging again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that that's not true, ladies and gentlemen. I got to five and then I started. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I digress. But yes, don't have to get your instructor to remind you to do things. That's not how it works. You know, you're instructor. Sub- this is, you know, yeah. the, the the how, not the what. Kicking right back in again. But remember, you, and the heels and toes. Be the guy who isn't having to be. Taught, you know, you're on your toes. You're ready to push through. You're ready to fight to be. You're ready to fight not to be first, but you're ready to fight to be the first person who was the last person to give in. Yeah. It's in reverse logic, but it makes sense. Be the person who doesn't give in. Definitely. Don't be the. Don't fight to be the first yeah. person that stands up and walks off because you're taking that a bit far. But you know, just be. I was. I was always told off a, a wise man. Um, when you f- always practice not giving up, mm-hmm. right? So that's not giving up. Yeah. And he always said the only time you can practice not giving up is when you want to give up. And it, it, it kind of made you think, like, when, when, when he'd mentioned it and you were doing training, you were doing push-ups, and you were, like, getting into the 200s. And then you were like, oh, God, my chest is aching. And everything else is aching. And then you think, no, I need to practice not giving up at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And then you, you don't. And it, it kind of gives you, like, a little boost to, to not give up, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Practice not giving up, and the only time you can practice that is when you want to give up. Absolutely, as uh, Sosai once said, if you don't overcome your tendency to give up easily, your life will amount to nothing. Yeah, but we digress. So, back to the book, which is rule number 61. And we've also just found out Connor did 200 push ups. Um, I can confirm nor deny that because Connor will beat me when we spar next. Um... <laughs> 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 well, funny enough, from, from from our black belt, we had to do three hundred push-ups, uh, three hundred sit-ups, three hundred squats, three hundred ab crunches, oh. and we were supposed to because there wasn't that many people at the grading. We were gonna um, just half the either half the fights or just knock the fights in the head. That's why the ex- that's why they upped our push-ups and sit-ups. <laughs> and I remember after we did our push-ups and sit-ups, we were all lined up, and then uh, the 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 the, the head instructor taking the grid and he, he kind of was silent for a few minutes and then he kind of went right now we spar <laughs> and when I found out after that they were going the, the reason we did the extra was because they didn't want us to they, wait not that they didn't want us to spar but there wasn't that many people um and then they were like yeah so now you are sparring <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> it, it was kind of there uh, you were thinking oh god right like, yeah. but fun times fun times yeah, get to see what you made of at that point don't you yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Practice not giving up. Yeah, exactly. I, that 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 day almost killed me. <laughs> Emotionally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I digress again, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, rule <laughs> rule number sixty-one, which is learn to reassess yourself, take the opposite path, stop, drop, and roll. This is an extreme case, but I myself have done it, so I know what. It, uh, so I know that it's not an unreasonable suggestion. The realization occurred when I was 17 and a freshman in college. I was enrolled in a class called Religions of China and Japan, and we had just learned that Confucian scholar Mencius taught that all of our first impulses as human are impulses to do good, 
And at the times that we do the opposite, it's because of conditioning that we've received or habits that we've adopted. He used the case of a child drowning in a well. Even the meanest of us will have an impulse to rescue that child, he argued. But some people, particularly if they're twisted by experience, will decide in the spare of the moment to take the opposite course. That's not my problem. It's not my child. After all, seeing so many people die, etc., etc. It was during the week of study that I became aware of myself of a double impulse regarding nearly every decision I've ever made. I walked past a soda can that someone had discarded on the lawn. I had an impulse to pick it up, but before I did, I decided it wasn't my problem. Wow, I thought when it occurred to me, and I turned around and picked the can up. That same week, with an armload of textbooks, I pressed the elevator button to ride up the second floor for class. Wow, I thought when I realized that I had an impulse to jog up the stairs because I knew it would make me stronger, but that I decided instead to hit the elevator button and wait for the ride. Suddenly it became exciting for me to run up the stairs. What he's trying to say in this is not is in a long-winded way is don't take the easy route in life. I mean, yeah. in the West, and especially within the last two decades, we, uh, I mean, Connor and I are of this generation. We are of the generation of instant gratification. The, the you know the, the generation of click and collect the generation of next day delivery the, the generation of I can get a Greg's pasty delivered to me you know I can get a ninety nine pence pasty delivered to me for four ninety nine people will do it because they don't want to go outside for it they want to go to the local shop to buy one or make one themselves what people you know there are extreme circumstances you know if you want to run all the way up the stairs in a twenty story high rise building well you know crack on i'm not going to judge you but at the same time what he's trying to say is there's little things that we just we accustom and as he said yeah condition ourselves to laziness to that's someone else's problem to that's not my job and i mean how many times yeah. in work work especially is the big one in this one have you been what you feel is let down by someone else i go well, that's not my job but then how many times have you done that to someone as well you know, the... yeah, it tends to happen a lot, doesn't it? Like, like, it's like when you you contact someone about an issue, and the, the the next thing is, oh yeah, that's not not to do with me. Yeah, and I I always think to myself, right, if it's nothing to do with you, fair enough, right? If you know the answer, let me know, <laughs> right? What I know, some people obviously don't want to tread on other people's toes. Mm -hmm. But then point me in the direction of where I need to go. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just saying, "Oh, sorry, this isn't mine," and that that you think I, you're done with that. No, let me know who I need to contact then, or mm -hmm. let them know I've got this issue, and uh, the, the, you know, it makes it so much easier. But another example for people's everyday lives, um, it's far too easy now to go on your phone and order a takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what we tend to do is. Uh, rather than have a order a takeaway, uh, we we make our own pizzas. We do our own dough. Mm -hmm. We do our own uh, put our own tomato puree on, uh, our own toppings, and do it that way. Yeah, it's tends to be depending on what what you what you do, and tends to be a little more bit more expensive sometimes. But um, it's a lot more rewarding mm -hmm. than it is just going on your phone and ordering a takeaway. Yeah, but that's the same with you know. With with martial arts as well, he's he's got a point. You you, you don't have to take the elevator. Uh, you can take the stairs. Mm -hmm. I, I see it all the time in hospitals. Um, I I tend to think of elevators as people who need them. Yes. People who struggle walking upstairs. 
Yeah. People who have like, um, issues with uh, breathing, uh, who can't physically get up the stairs, they should be allowed to use the elevators. Yeah. If you've got legs and your legs work fine, hit the stairs. <laughs> hit the stairs. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and you know what I always try and do? I try to beat the elevator. Oh, God, I used to do that as a kid so many times. Yeah. But it gets it, that that that's in itself could be a, can be a good workout. Um, mm-hmm. So next time you're anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, try to beat the elevator where you need to go. Yeah, because I can guarantee there will be times where you beat the elevator. Mm-hmm. So let someone who needs it use it, and you take the stairs. Exactly. I like his point on this one. You know, it can you can use this point for anything in life. This is that's the beauty of this. Uh, with with, it, with his book, um, a lot of his things are just martial arts based. It can be based for life as well. So, absolutely, it's, it's a, I like this rule. It's a good one. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's talked very greatly in uh, the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, which I think we will cover at some point on this podcast because it is a great book for the idea of you know taking ownership of your own life, especially when it comes to training, work, relationships, and all the rest of it. And this is what he's trying to say through this. Take, don't take the easy path. If he says, but you know, back to the book, he takes at the very end here. In short, we're taught to reassess on the spare of the moment and take an opposite course from the knee-jerk one. Why not apply the same to your strong versus weak decisions in the dojo? Your instinct is to take an easier path. Your instinct is to resist the lesson. Then stop before you burn. Take the opposite road. If your goal is Budo Karate, you will not be disappointed. It goes back to the previous rule. Where it's saying the you know the easy option for me right now is to come out of Kibadachi slightly and rest the legs. No, stay in Kibadachi because that's where it's going to count. You know, the, the, yeah. standing in Kibadachi is a perfect example of this one because it's the perfect example of what everyone does. It's that taking the lift. Do I take the lift back up to a standing position, or do I take the run and I just stick it out and I'll wait? Stick it out and wait. You'll be stronger for it. Yeah. Then you know. It, yeah. It, you become the shining example for your kohais as well, especially if you're exactly. a middle. Especially if you're a middle belt, I find that's when I find that you have a lot more influence on people, because you're you're at a point where if you get the black belt, especially for newcomers, they look at a black belt and go, "Oh, well, I expect him to be able to do it, so it doesn't bother me as much." But then you see a middle belt do it, say a green or a blue or a yellow, and they are powering through, and suddenly you look at it and go, oh, "He's only a, you know, he's only about six to twelve months training ahead of me, not." Yes, of what I expect a black belt to be. Oh, now I've got, I've got yeah. now that that's real competition there. That's someone I I, I can really look up to. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think especially for kids because kids don't understand black belts and all that. They understand black belts and white belts really. It, it's really is black and white to them. So if you've got yeah. the guys in the middle really... who are powering it out, the kids will take a lot more out of the kids in the mid, the people in the middle. I find than to the ends until they are old enough and people are old enough to understand where this you know where the system ends and why those people are so good in the first place but yeah and and also like don't look at uh, the the black belts and things and if, if you see them standing up don't think oh they're doing it so i can mm-hmm. again you know this is about you um and not what they're doing concentrate on what you need to do to make you better uh, and then when people see you doing that, they'll then copy you. So it's a, 
I like the rule. It's it makes sense. It's simple. It's easy to understand. And mm-hmm. It's effective. Take the ownership of the solution, and take, yeah. don't take the easy road. You'll end up, you know, you'll end up nowhere again in life. But back to the book, which is rule number sixty-two, which is quite a uh, quite a very easy short one. Uh, Budo karate is for everybody, not everybody, everybody. Men, women, children, young, old, learning disadvantage, blind, you name it, everyone can do Budo Karate. It doesn't matter if you're athletically talented and in great shape or 100 pounds overweight, everyone can join. One great mistake is that some prospective beginners make is to believe that they have to get into shape before beginning training. This is silly, of course. It's your training and it'll get you into shape after all. This may be counterintuitive when you consider the full contact nature of the training. Very easy. Anyone can do karate. There's only a handful of jobs I've ever known where you have to be fit to join. And that's something like the military or a first responder job, like a fire engine, uh, you know, like a a firefighter or a police officer. They're the only jobs where you have to be fit to get in, but then they'll make you fitter for that role when you get there. Anyone can walk into a karate dojo. But Budo karate isn't just doing a certain type of karate. It's the mindset that you apply to the karate as well. You know, it's yeah. a mindset for everyone. That's like saying, oh, not everyone has to take ownership of their problems. Well, yes, everyone does have to do it. You can't just go, well, he doesn't have to because he's whatever situation, or this person doesn't have to because they're whatever situation. No, anyone can do it. Just because huh. you're 100 pounds overweight. Say again? No, sorry, I, I was just saying, carry on. All right, sorry. Um, yeah, just because, like you say, yeah, just because you're 100 pounds overweight doesn't mean you can't do karate. Do karate, you'll end up not 100 pounds overweight, you know? Yeah. But apply the lessons. That, that... That's Budo karate, not just I do yeah, karate. A lot, a lot of people, when uh, when they are overweight, they're worried. It's more, and it's not that they're worried that they can't do karate, although they say that. You know, yeah. You'll hear a lot of people who are quite big and say, oh, I can't do that, I can't do the kicks and things. But it's, it tends to be more that they just don't want to uh-huh. Be shown up, um, but I wrote a blog about some a bit something a bit similar where where it was about um, is martial arts for me? Mm-hmm. Now that I always say where whenever when someone asks that, that's not the question to ask. Martial arts is for everybody. Um, it's which martial art is for me. Mm-hmm. That's the question that needs to be asked. But it's, it's, it's a similar thing, you know, like, it's like what you said, it, it, it is for everybody. Um, or as he said, everybody, like, you know, physically. So it's finding the right one for you, though. Karate might not be for you. Mm. Jiu-Jitsu might be for you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's finding your martial art. Yeah. But then it's that idea of Budo, because karate isn't just doing a bunch of punches and kicks. It's doing it with that Budo mindset that he's talking yeah. about greatly because you can't just do it. It's that idea he talks earlier. I'm going to buy me some karate. Like, no, go go buy a PlayStation. You don't buy karate. You commit to karate or you commit to your martial art, you know, mm-hmm. and anyone can do it. You know, let's take what you're saying there. Oh, well, I'm not going to kick high because I can't. Yeah, you can just practice doing it, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't do the splits, I can't but, kick high. That's just stupid. But it, like, <laughs> do you find 
a lot of um, TV uh, influence people's um, mindset of what martial arts is, and when they see, like, just say, for example, Bruce Lee, and that that is what they think martial arts is, and then they 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 then um, look at that and think, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, people like and that. That puts a lot of people off. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's nice that it gets recognition in the sport, you know, in the mainstream. But then you actually go to watch a UFC fight and there's a lot of technicality in there. But then you realize these people have been training for 10, 20, 30 years to get to where they are. But at the same time, some of it just turns it devolves into a brawl. And you're like, well, where's your Bruce Lee? You know what I mean? Where's oh, I'm going to do a high flying jumping, you know, a jumping kick to get this guy. It's like, no, they stand there. They measure each other up. But it's it's built over years of self-belief, dedication to an art, that Budo mindset of wanting to get better and improve their club and their dojo and wherever they train. Yeah. And that's, you could say anyone is Budo. You could argue that um, Conor McGregor is Budo because when he actually dedicates to his martial arts, his mindset is Budo to an extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you could argue the say, you know, argue a, a great one I think would be Khabib. Khabib lives and breathes martial arts and he does go out of his way, especially with local people and people in his club and all that. You know, Budo isn't just karate. Budo is a mindset. It's a way of life. You know? And Budo is not an age. I hear people all the time say, oh, I'm too old to do that now. You're not. Yeah. You're not too old at all. Your journey starts when you, when you whenever your journey starts. Yeah. Whether that's at five, which is when uh, when I first started martial arts, or whether that is when you're 25, 35, 45, 65, yeah. you're you know you, you're never too old either. So Budo isn't an age. It's like you said, it's a mindset. Yeah. You know, if you've got that mindset, then absolutely. I mean, go the, for it. I think the the, the saying goes, uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. Yes. You know. Yeah. 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 Do it at any point. Just what you're never gonna. If, if you start overthinking, I can't do this. I can't do that. You'll never do it. A negative mindset like that will always prevent you from being able to do anything. You could be the most gifted person on the planet at something, but if you look at it and go, I can't do that. Uh, you know, there's reason. If you are, unless you are medically exempt from something, and even then, some people do things that they should be medically exempt from, and achieve phenomenal results, making it even more, you know, making it even more ridiculous. You know, yeah. there are people who, like David Goggins, if you ever read his book, Can't Hurt Me, he runs 100 miles on zero training, practically. He does some damage to himself, like severely does damage to himself, but, but he, he did it. it. He didn't say, ah, I, I can't do that. Um, you know, I'm just a seal. I'm just I'm just this. I, uh, I can't do it. No, he, he was doing something for charity, put his mindset into it, and went hell for leather and did it. No excuses, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone can do anything, even if you're medically exempt. Find a way. There's no reason you can't. Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't become the 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 president, so he became a governor instead. You know, that is a that is a man to model the I can't do this attitude over because he can do whatever the hell he's always done whatever the hell he wants to put his mind to, and you should be able to as well. Yeah, yeah. Be at work or anything. Well, that's it. If you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, I want to do martial arts, but I'm not sure, the hardest thing you will ever do is walking through the door of 
whichever martial art you choose. Yep. Once you do that, the rest is ten times easier. Mm-hmm. As long as you put in the hard work and the effort, then you'll be fine. But walking through the door is the hardest task. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the first. It, again, goes back to the, to the other rule. Take, don't take the easy path. You know, take the hard path. Take that yeah, yeah. path of a bit more resistance and go, you know, I'm going to go into the club today. I'm going to see what this karate club has to offer. I'm going to see what this boxing club has to offer. I'm going to see what this jiu-jitsu club has to offer. Even if it's something like running, oh, I'm going to join a long-distance running club. Do it. Push yourself out of that comfort zone, but apply the Budo mindset to improving yourself and your club, and you can only get better. Yeah. But, and speaking of getting better, back to the book, which is rule number 63. Disappointed, yes, but if you should, you blew it again. Here's a hard cultural adjustment for some here in the West. If your teacher corrects you and you feel disappointed because you had to be corrected, how are you to respond? Well, the Budo karate system is simply to say, us, stay bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and jump to the task of making the correction at hand. This is also the normal, mature human response to constructive criticism by an authority figure, even when that criticism is harsh. Harsh. After all, that's what you came to the dojo for, right? And after all, it was you whose performance was substandard, was it not? Children will hang their head and sulk, or cry, or get mad, or pull out of their grading, or their parents will pull them out of the grading, which is what happens. Adults will not, unless they've missed some developmental step along the way. If you start sulking and throwing a tantrum because someone said no to you, then you failed yourself twice, not just the once. Because not only are you showing an inability, a, a lack of skill or ability, you're then showing a lack of emotional maturity, which to me is more important than the skill and ability. Because I know your skill and ability will come, especially if I'm your instructor and I know I'm teaching you right and I'm working all of my techniques within the bounds of your physical ability to do something. However, if every time you don't get it done, you go, I can't do it, it's too hard, can I go and do this instead, or throw a strop, then you've lost me. You're you're eroding my respect for you, let alone your respect for yourself. If you sit there and go, I can't do it, again, 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 another one, and another one, until you get it right, you're never going to get anywhere. If you start, if you sulk and hang your head every, t- if, if a boss comes to your work and goes, that job was awful. It was, it was this, that, and the other. You know, I expect better. If you start having a hissy fit at your boss, which I'm guilty of, which everyone is guilty of, you're showing a lack of emotional maturity. Yes, at times things are going to get, you know, out of. Sometimes things get out of your hands a little bit. Sometimes situations boil over to a point where you can't help but snap. But then that's also your own level of ability to prevent yourself from getting in that situation in the first place. But again, like, you know, this stroppy behavior comes from us in the West. And I, I, I truly believe that's because, like what you said earlier, everything's handed to you now on a plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, with like order and things, and you don't have to work for much now. No. So whatever you do that where someone has to work for something yeah. and they can't do it, they strop because it's a, like, you'll see it all the time when you go to a shop and you see that you see a parent with a child and that child's on the floor kicking and screaming, I want this toy. And, the, and then the, eventually the parent gives up and gives them it. Yeah. What do you... How that child knows if they do that, 
they will get whatever they want. Yeah. And that's that's where it comes from, is like work for stuff. Don't just expect it to be given to you. Because it's not going to be. When when you when you get later on in life and you're out working and things, stuff isn't going to be handed to you on a silver platter. No, absolutely. You're gonna have to work for it. Do you know, this is to me why the participation award is the death of competition and growth. If you if hundred percent, if you give prizes to what to first, second, and third place, and then go to everyone, and then go congratulations, to you guys, you did well. This is how you've placed. By the way, everyone else, here's your reward for just being there and making up the numbers. What's that child learn? All I've got yep. to do is turn up, and I'm going to get what I'm going to get a award. Turn up, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and I, it it baffled me because I don't know at which point like this sort of thing came in. Um, like I don't 50, remember when I did sports days. Yeah, I don't remember in my sports days getting a certificate for participating yeah i mean you either got first second or third or you you lost yeah absolutely you know and even then if you've come second you've lost <laughs> yeah you are the yeah i always remember right there's a there's a show it's called um dance moms right i don't know if you've ever seen it or not right no and it is it's it's a it's a drama show about um these people's daughters who who dance, but it's it's about like the the, the parents and like uh, and how how they how they react to certain things. And their their dance instructor always turns around and says, "If you get second place, you are the first person to lose." Yeah, that's all you are. You haven't won anything. You're, you're the first person to lose. Yeah. Now a lot of people will be thinking, "Oh God, this is like that, that's harsh." It's not. It's I've seen clubs that give people badges for doing ten push-ups. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't. I don't want a badge for doing ten push-ups. No, that's not even the wall. I want to know when I can do my. I want. I want to know when I can do eleven. Yeah. I want to know when I can do twenty. Yeah. Thirty. 100. Forty. I don't need a badge to say, "Look at me, I can do 10. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Come on, work for stuff. Absolutely. Don't expect it to be given. Absolutely. And this. This. But again, it's, it talks about it's what he talks about early on. You're conditioned to certain things. If you see, if you're a parent and your child sees you throwing a strop every time something doesn't go your way, your child is going to think, "Oh, well, mommy or daddy throws a strop when they d- does this attitude when it goes when they don't get what they want. I'll do that. I should get what I want." And what happens? The kid kicks and screams and gets what they want anyway. And then the parent or the parent goes the other way and then screams and shouts at them and then that's a different you know that's an unhealthy thing altogether. but it's that whole point of if you start kicking off just because you didn't get something unless it's been a illeg- if it's if even if something's being illegally taken from you in some way take the high road and go the legal way about getting it back you know make a you put a front on that is calm collect it because i mean how many times have you ever been in an argument with someone one person's kicking off but the person who isn't kicking off and losing the cool and shouting and screaming is annoying the other person more by literally just existing and being calm i've always said if you start shouting and raising your voice and losing your temper during an argument you have lost the argument that's it yeah You've lost the argument before the argument's even got to a point where it's worthwhile anymore. Because if we, me and you, Connor, disagree over something, and we talk for five minutes, and then I start screaming at you like a banshee, 
and you just sit there, stay calm, and just look at me. It's just I've lost the argument as far as I'm concerned. Because then at that point, I'll it's start like, devolving into name-calling and personal insults and stuff that's got yeah, nothing to do with the argument. You've lost the moral high ground at that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the longer it goes on, I'll probably also lose the regular. Because if you if you are able to stay calm through the entire thing, there's a good chance you're calm because you know you're right. And you know that you have the truth on your side or the law on your side or the rules on your side. Simple enough. And this happens this is the same I- at work. Don't kick off at work when your manager says to do something. That'll never get you anywhere. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. It doesn't get you anywhere anyway, argue. Just no. but if you... discuss it. Have a discussion. Yeah. I mean, how many times, because I've been in a class before where you have told a child, I do not think you're ready for your grading. Th- this is what that I was child, just about to bring up. That child did not return the up. next week ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. But, but the... I've had people's parents come up to me and say, oh, no, he he's he's a story. That did um we had a grade one time. Um, everyone knew who was uh, ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is when the grades used to be on Saturday, Saturday uh, day, and this this parent came in with a child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what, why is this child here? He's, he wasn't ready for his grading, and. She, she came up and she was like, oh, there's, he's, he's, he's his money. And I'm thinking, okay, well, like, what's this for? And she's like, oh, he's grading. I'm like, who's told you he can grade? Because we always let the parents know who's ready uh, and and the students as well. Uh, and she's like, oh, he did, her son. And I was like, yeah, your son's not ready. Like, you know, I'm not taking your money for your son to fail a grading. It's just, that's not right. Yeah. Um, and this, this, obviously this, this parent wasn't happy. Um, and like you just said there, that, that child never came back. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, that child then um, went to Taekwondo and now have a black belt. Yeah. At the right old age of nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how old they are now, but... Um, yeah, I, I was a bit bewildered that in mm. in two years that that child then received their black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah, very. Uh, so, I wonder how much that cost them in literal yeah, money. Yeah, well, I'm not getting into the subject of uh, of Taekwondo, but that is one of the one of the reasons why it's not the most liked sport by me. No, it has its place and it has a lot of great techniques and when, when yeah, done yeah, correctly, definitely. it is yeah. phenomenal. However, it's karate suffers from exactly the same thing, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm not biased here. No, no, definitely not. Karate and taekwondo suffer horribly from watered-down fire belt syndrome. And it's just... I mean, I had a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, and I'm very proud of him that he got his black belt. Um, very, very proud of him for it. Actually, because he has studied Taekwondo for the better part of a decade. So he was I do believe he was worth it. But then he was telling me about his grading, and this is no fault of his, and I'm sure and I know he's deserving of it. He said he was I was saying talking to him about his grading, saying, Oh well, how did your grading go? How did this happen? and all that. He's like, Oh yeah, I was only on the mat for about twenty minutes. Stop what do you mean you were on the mat for twenty minutes? And he went, I had about twenty minutes mat time all to all the way through the grading because it was a bit of a large grade, and I went 
what do you mean though you had 20 minutes on the mat to get a black belt like that makes no sense to me how can you get a black belt in 20 minutes i don't be wrong i know all the time leading up to it is more but if you're having a formal thing you don't just get 20 minutes mat time for a grading our regular belt gradings are two hours that's a regular grading yeah national grades tend to be over a weekend yeah you're graded from the second to be fair and I think you'd agree with this one. You're graded for your black belt the second you receive your brown belt, if not the second you walk through the dojo. Yeah, that's yeah, when you yeah. start grading your yeah. black belt. Because well, yeah, that, that's that, that's then how you know someone's ready for a grade, and you know, like you you you're always watching when you're ready. You you're told when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. you are. You're graded from the second you walk in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or you are grading from the second you walk in. Absolutely. You're not just going to get the black belt for turning up, just as you're not going to get the promotion for turning up. Yes, some people have have had that before, but normally it's people who are brown-nosing or kissing up to managers or whatever. And we all know it when that happens, and it's awful, and people don't like it. But if as long as you know, and you're right, your mindset is Buddha, and you're doing everything correctly, and you're not throwing a tantrum at it, you'll get there. You will get there eventually, trust me. 100%, yeah, yeah. 100%. Because even if there's someone who... Because the problem is that some gradings get political and people don't like to... You know, when you've got multiple clubs coming together under the same banner, some people who are grading don't want to give other clubs more belts during the grading because then it makes their... They'll feel their club, you know, works. It'll make them look weak. And especially in certain martial arts, when you get to the highest of high levels where I'm talking 8th, 9th, 10th dams or whatever, where you don't see as many of them and they're being picked for the belt rather than grading, at some point you'll probably have someone in there who doesn't like you and will never pick you for the grading and you'll never succeed past a 7th dam or whatever. Um, there's a good, yeah. there's a, a, a documentary on Kyodo, I think it is, um, Japanese archery, where an 8th dam, a guy who was 7th dam has tried for his 8th dam about 10 times now. And he's never got it. At right. that point, it's political. Like, there's no other, like for how long he's been practicing the art, and you watch or the, the clips that you see, and all the rest of it. And we read the comments, and a lot of them say there's a very good chance that black belt uh, ceremony is while it's there just for ceremonial purposes. There's a good chance that he's not getting it because it's political. At that point, people just don't want to give him it because they don't like him, or someone's taking a dislike. And that's sad. Yeah, that's very sad. Yeah, it is an oh, awful it thing. Happens. Yeah, as long as you're not pushing for the participation trophy, that's what we're kind of trying yeah. to get across here. Yeah, you, you know, don't get belts of participation, unfortunately. Not, unless you're doing taekwondo. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so number rule number sixty-four is succeed consistently. Consistently, you can't buy a break by showing strength every once in a while. Make sure that you've read rule number fifty-three, which is how often in a week do you do karate? That's a, there's a good description here of the difference between the student who consistently struggles, nipping at the heels of figuring out the brutal karate personality once and for all, and the student who snaps right into the right groove and then doesn't have to struggle nearly so much in the future. If it clicks for you, if you take the required leap of faith, there's no more struggle, following the way becomes easy, and then you can concentrate on what's meant to be hard in karate training, i.e. the physical challenges that become spiritual, mental challenges, those times that they become so hard. This section is perhaps written more for the student who's still struggling for the self-confidence it takes to take that leap of faith. I've seen it over and over again that this type of student permits him or herself 
to buy breaks from their hard work. In other words, I see them console themselves. I'm working so hard in general. This time I'm justified in taking it easy. Don't slack just because you think you've worked hard enough. Don't slack in, don't slack in anything because, and you'll know this one, Connor, nobody, and every, any adult in the workplace knows this. Nobody comments on when you're working hard. People only comment on when you're being lazy. And if they see you being lazy, all they're going to be concerned about is not, well, he's a hard worker 90% of the time, but then he's lazy 10%. And everyone, all, all people will yeah. hear is he's lazy. He's if, lazy, yeah. If you have this where someone goes, oh, well, they slack a little, you know, they push hard on some of the challenges, you know, they, they push hard on bag work, but then it gets to everything else and the slack off because they've worked so hard on bag work, all you're going to hear is slack off. Whereas if you have a student who goes, the student grinds from the second they walk in to the second they leave, non-stop going for it. Well, who's going to get further in the karate life? Who's going to get further in the work life, the personal life, the relationships financially? Someone who's always going. Don't slack because a moment of weakness turns into a couple of moments of weakness, which then turns into a lifetime of weakness. A few seconds off will turn into a few minutes, will turn into a few hours, will turn into weeks days, months off because you've justified it. Before you know it, you've yeah. quit karate, you've quit all your you've quit everything else and you're suddenly just sat at home going, I could have been a black belt by now if I'd stayed. Yeah, you could have, but you didn't because you took time because you took you slacked. Mm-hmm. If you have to medically take time away from something or it will kill you, fine. But keep your head in the game. You you know your mind costs it costs nothing to read a book. It costs nothing to serve something and look videos and keep your mind fresh for when you get back. It costs nothing to listen to a podcast. It costs nothing to listen to a podcast, but it might win you a book, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you start cutting oh, yeah. thing, things out, it's it gets bad because the more if you can justify it once, you can justify it twice, and then three times and four times and so on. And so on and so on and so on. If you're going to take a break, take a break when you get home. I'm not going to judge you when you're at home sitting on the sofa. It's it, nope. it's, a, it's 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 a big one. This one, you know, you, you can't take breaks when you're being told you're allowed to take a break. But even then, have an active break. You know, grab, grab a mouthful of water, wipe your face down, and get right back in the groove to go there again. Because if you st- if you turn off, it's hard to get switched back on again. It's like when, you know, when you go for a run, as soon as you start walking, you find it harder to get running again because your body starts to work to wind down. It's like if you do a lot of exercise and stop for an hour or so, you're more likely to start doing an injury again if you go back to hell for leather because you've cooled down at that point. Your body's relaxed. It's not good. And if you imagine that over the course of your lifetime, like how many injuries you pick up, all the rest of it, your mind deteriorates, your mindset, your attitude, it all deteriorates. Because you're taking breaks, they're good in moderation. Don't just take a break because it, I did a load of push-ups. Was it Masayama who said um, you should train more than you sleep? Yes, he said it's, yeah. it's actually quoted in, uh, in in one of his books where he does say, uh, "Someone asked me uh, what's the best way about karate, and I will say that it's train more than you sleep." Train more than you sleep. Yeah, uh, I, that one always stuck with me. Um, then I read there was something else that was telling you how how many hours a week you do sleeping 
and um, and how many hours that compares to if you only did like two hours of training uh, every few days and stuff, and it was it was incredible the difference. Yeah. So, but it's like what you said earlier as well. You know, like uh, yeah, you can when you once you finish training, you get home, you sit on the couch and that. No, no one, no one's going to judge you for that. But you could also be doing training while doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, this this sounds daft, and people might think you know I'm a nutter. But I, I get um, wine bottles. I'm not an alcoholic, ladies and gentlemen. But I, I keep <laughs> wine bottles um, for shin conditioning. Yeah, and I sit actually. and just bam, 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 tap it um, on my shins to to condition my shins. Yeah, uh, yeah. but you know, sat on the couch, you can do that. Uh, you can sit on the couch and do what you said, do research. You can sit on the couch, read a book. Is it all sit on the floor and sit in a butterfly stretch and just let your legs yeah. relax? And you can into sit a in the splits. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to stop you doing any of these things. It's Training is endless. Yeah. You know, when when I think when Sosai said train more than you sleep, I don't think he physically meant being a dojo more than you sleep. Yeah. You know, okay. you, you can do that if you want, I suppose. Eight hours of your day. It's mm-hmm. up, that's up to you. But I, I would think that meant with everything. Um, the, there's like the bus stops where we live. We've got, um, they have metal tube things that you to, to sit on. Not like a, it's like a seat, but it's just a metal tube. Yeah. I stand and kick them with my shins. <laughs> yeah. People think I'm weird when they're stood there waiting for the bus as well. Although I don't yeah. wait for the bus now because, you know, I, I do drive. But when I used to wait for the bus, I used to boom, boom, boom and kick them with my shins. Yeah. It's that constant growth mindset. Yeah. You know, it's that idea of... It's important. Of, yeah. It's that idea of you're, never, you're not just taking time off to justify a break. Yes, breaks are going to be physically needed. It can't be helped. If you are going to take a break, make it an active rest. You know, read that book. Sometimes you do need to take a break off. You do need to de-conflict in your own mind. You need time to mull things over. Things need time to set in. Sometimes doing a menial task, you know, or playing on a, a console or something like that is a good way to do that. But don't let the break, you don't rush to go through your training to get to the break rush through your break to get back to training to training yeah you know that's the best way to do it you know connor and i can't train anywhere near as much as we'd like to now so what do we do we start a podcast about training you know it's yeah these... that, that, that is that is basically how it started it all started with um i sent uh, brad a message saying he is an idea dot dot yeah. dot dot and at that point when i send my friends that they're all thinking oh what's what he come up with Oh, yeah, someone's getting chewed. I, I, <laughs> I come up with some crazy stuff, but and then it was like podcast, and that was just because I was bored. I was physically bored. I'm sat there, I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm thinking, yeah, there's not many about what I would want to do about. And then Brad came up with his ideas of like how we could do it, and I was like, whoa! I was like, yeah, that that works even better. And I'm like, so yeah, you know, listening to podcasts help training. Yeah, absolutely. Every, it's, convert everything into training. It's fun. Next time, next time, one of you want to turn a light switch off, use your foot to do it with Jordan Maigri, and that's like a front kick for anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, don't put the light obviously, but do the do the motions yeah, slow. Yeah, don't, don't and break the light. Yeah, practice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I had my hands full the other day carrying uh, teas into the living room. Door was shut. Cause obviously, um, I. I 
our youngest son now is crawling, so we have to keep the living room door shut. And I'm thinking, how yeah. am I going to do this without putting the plates down? So I lift my foot up and open the door with my, my foot and went in. Yeah. And that's how you know you are a true martial artist when you are opening cupboards, turning light switches off, opening doors with your feet. Yeah. You know, but you're doing all these all little training. things. It's great. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. all training. The, the, the point that he does try to make is don't just rest for the sake of resting. Rest when it is required, but also keep it, again, this is what we say, Budo is a mindset. Budo isn't just, oh, I do Budo karate at the dojo for two hours a week. No, you, do, you live a Budo lifestyle of which karate is one of the main parts of it. Budo mm. is more than just, oh, I'm going to shout us really loud and do a lot of punches. It's, right, outside of that dojo, outside of training, how can I live my best life to improve myself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, and everything else? That's Budo. And that's the best part about it. Budo is, if you're able to get Budo down correctly, everything in life becomes a lot simpler, a lot easier. Well, not necessarily easier, but you become better at doing things. And then you'll you try and make it harder. Efficient. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you realize that you don't, you, you start to cut away the chaff. You realize that you don't need to sit on your phone at night, scrolling through endless social media. You realize that you don't need to sit watching the TV. You realize, you know, there's more to life than just rubbish. We're fed a constant stream of the same stuff over and over again. Take a break from social media. Don't take a break from training unless you're using your social media to train. But I don't know how you would do that yet. So, you know, unless you're watching videos on YouTube. But anyway, always be training. Always keep that growth mindset. And it's the same if you're an entrepreneur. That's what they're saying. Growth mindset constantly. How can I be getting better at this? How can I get better at that? How can I improve? How can I do this? How can I do that? Ask the question, how can I and not get to the next break? Get through your break to get back to your next bit of training. It's a, it's a much better way of living life. Yeah, definitely. You'll get better. You'll get further anyway. So anyway, rule number 65, as we encroach upon an hour here. If someone drops the ball, make sure it's your kohai. This is the senpai kohai machine for strength in the Budo Karoi Dojo. Here's a gem. Japanese senpais don't let their kohai see them dropping the ball. Nothing could shame them more. The shame is self-generated, i.e. they feel so ashamed. If they let their kohai see them dropping the ball, it virtually doesn't happen. Therefore, if anyone drops the ball in the dojo, it should always be your kohai. Are you really going to follow the instructions less well than your kohai? Are you really going to let your kohai kihai louder? Are you really going to learn the kata less well than your junior? The Buddha karate system is to fight, always to make sure that any balls dropped are dropped by your juniors, not you. So then, what is the responsibility of the kuhai? There's the trick to it all, the key, the key to Masayama's genius. The Japanese kuhai feels so ashamed to let the senpai see them not battling to surpass them so that they virtually never stop fighting to do so. Once again, the kuhai always battles to outdo the senpai, and the senpai always battles to make sure the kuhai never does. It's that never-ending circle of pure greatness, which is why if you are the smartest person in the room, get a better room for all you business-minded yeah. folks out there. <laughs> but, That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. And what do you, you know, if, but this is the thing, and I think this, this is, there's a difference here between uh, the Japanese and West. The Japanese, um, sort of over on the Japanese side, if it was a matter of 
uh, I don't know, you know, the they them dropping the ball, it would bring great shame to them. Um, you know, almost like a crippling level of shame. Uh, it's very, very prevalent in the Japanese society where shame is such a big driver behind what they do because they don't want to bring shame on their family, bring shame on their friends, bring shame on their name, themselves, their business. Probably why there's actually quite a massive amount of suicides in Japan is due to shame because people literally can't handle shaming themselves. And Whereas very little here, crime. Yes, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, quite a, there's like, I don't, I, I don't want to say there is none uh, because I would imagine that there is still crime in Japan, but it is virtually none compared to us in the West. Yeah. Um, it's the simple fact is they don't want to bring, you know, yeah. you know, someone in Japan doesn't want to get caught stealing and then have their name blasted all over the social media, the newspapers, yeah. things like that. Uh, because again, Absolutely. shame, they take shame as a very um, uh, serious, serious thing. Yeah. 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 It's a huge part of their life and shame. But again, it's a double edged sword while they don't have the shame to commit crime they would also rather end their own lives than devolve into any kind of shame because for them some of them asking for help is a shameful thing and this is a lot yeah. of, I, I there's a, there's a it's, it's a very prevalent thing especially for uh, men in the west as well um we are told that it's a shit like they seem there's a lot of men that seem to believe uh, it's a shameful thing to ask for help it's a shameful thing to admit that you're struggling and so on, hence why suicide is so hugely prevalent with men, uh, because they don't want to admit that they're struggling, because it's, it's shameful to them, and you need to break this cycle of shame. But the original yeah. point, um, but the original point is, if you don't know something or you have dropped the ball, go back to the previous rules, look up ownership, and take ownership of it. I'm sorry, I dropped the ball. I can be better. I know I'm better than this. I will be better than this for you next time. Or if it's a matter of I don't know the answer to a question, I'm sorry. I do not know the answer to the question that you're asking me. However, I am going to go out of my way and endeavor to find the answer so that I can provide it to you when I next see you. There's no shame in not knowing things. There's no shame in a lot of things. But obviously, this is the big thing that, you know, the, the difference that people really need to get through their minds for this book. Obviously, you base if you try to take a lot of Japanese culture and implant it into Western culture, it just it, it couldn't happen because we don't have the same mentality of a lot of them in Japan. Uh, it just it, just, it doesn't it, we don't shame is not a big thing as much as they do over here. Don't be wrong. People always say, "Have you got no shame?" A lot of people don't. They don't care. That's the the you know some people are genuinely sociopathic and all that and actually can't feel the haven't got the ability to feel the shame. But that's not the point. The point is that if you do drop the ball, admit to it for one, and own up to it, but then commit to being better next time. Yeah, but make, the point, make an improvement. Yeah. But obviously the point that he tries to make here is don't let yourself be the one who drops the ball. Don't let yourself... It's the Kuhai's job, almost, as he explains here, to be the one who drops the ball because you expect them not to know as much as you. However, you could still learn from your kohai because they might have a, a unique way of thinking that actually changes the way you think about something else instead. 
you know, some guy, someone can come in and go, well, I find it easier to do a certain kick this way. And then you can go, oh, well, I never thought about it that way, but now I have an extra tool in my chest to teach yeah. the next generation. That's not necessarily, yeah. yeah, it's not necessarily about dropping the ball. It is about picking up. If they drop the ball, they should pick it up. But learn how they pick it up as well. You know, there's always a learning opportunity. There's always a learning experience. But you don't have to feel shame for things coming out of this. Uh, I mean, back to the book on this, because uh, Masayama does uh, actually he does talk about how the way Masayama looks at things. Uh, everyone becomes stronger than they could ever possibly imagine in a non-Budo dojo. The result of this struggle is like a machine for generating not only powerful fighters, but also powerful people. There was no question in Masayama's dojo. In the American dojo, on the other hand, it's apparently fairly easy for senpais to show their weaknesses to kohais. For the American personality, apparently there's no dignity lost. If we want to have any hope of making Kyokushin what it was meant to be, however, we have to try to imitate what the Japanese were. What would Masayama say? Karate is not karate, he did in fact say, without the senpai kohai system. Play karate, maybe, but budo... No way. Without this machine, forget about it. It's that fundamental. Please try to surpass your senpais. Please make sure your kohais can't surpass you. Is the result a big fight? The American might think so. On the contrary, the result is a family in which everyone comes closer together. Everyone stays at the front of the curve. It's a brother-sisterhood, not just a club. Achieve this and you will find an ideal that's worth sacrificing for. That ne- find that never-ending machine of, I want to get better, now you've got better. Now I want to be better than you. I want to make sure you don't catch me. I mean, we had a trio, a qu- sorry, a quad of people training together on a regular basis, uh, Connor, myself, and the two of our friends. And that to me was like the best example of how it feeds because, you know, well, obviously we had some martial arts experience, me, Con- uh, Connor, myself, and uh, our friend Marcus. Our other friend Josh didn't. He was interested, but hadn't done it before. But as he came, and as we were getting, you know, as he was, you know, starting to get the odd lick on us, you know, the odd uh, kick, the odd strike on us, now we want to get better to make sure that he doesn't get, you know, the the untrained guy doesn't get that shot in again. Well, suddenly yeah. he's getting he's getting submissions on the ground. Well, now I don't want him to get that again on me, but now he has to fight to not to be able to get that back on me. But then I'm also doing the same with Marcus. I'm also doing the same with you that group of four people was the perfect example of this rule because every one of us wanted to be the best, but we also were willing to accept where we were falling, you know, where we were falling behind. But then at the same time, you know, you had someone who would just randomly come up behind you and suddenly you get this move out and you were like, Whoa, now I need, now I need to learn how to counter that. And it's, it's a great never ending cycle of improvement. That's why it's weird as an instructor. Yeah. You're teaching people to be better than you. But then you've got to not so much not let them be better than you, but like like you said, you know, kind of be be on your toes about keeping that one step ahead. Mm -hmm. And that's strange. That's weird. That's a weird thing. Yeah. That is weird. I always found that strange. But you've seen the improvement. I mean, Josh, like you said, who had uh, no martial arts background or anything like that, um, and he became this like, totally different person, mm-hmm. and it was, it was like wow. But he had yeah. he, he had that like um, let's say Budo mindset. Um, although he wasn't interested in karate, he just wanted to get fit on a Thursday with us, and became 
totally different person. Yeah. It, it became someone that you would be happy to have behind your back in a bar fight because you knew that he knew what he was doing, at least to a yep. good extent. And it was great to see. And this is that mentality of you for a lot of the class, you you know, you led a lot of the class because you're an instructor from karate at the time. But then you're training with us and then we're getting shots on you. So then you train to not get the shot so that we can't get them on you. And then we're trying to train to get them on you while we're also training not to get hit by the guy behind us who's then training not to get hit by the guy behind them all the while trying this big circle of improvement and it's great when it works properly it's phenomenal to watch it absolutely is it's a beautiful beautiful thing to watch especially when you can see the karate the club going better right so we're going back to the book rule number 66 which is just volunteers now this will be the last rule ladies and gentlemen i think we'll cover it today obviously we're going on a little bit over an hour now uh, and this one is quite a big rule to get over, but it's a very simple principle. So anyway, go back to the book and we'll read this. So the Budo Karate spirit, always volunteer. You're always fighting to be first after all, right? The teacher asks the class, can I have a volunteer? Everyone's hand goes up. Aha, that's the Budo Karate spirit. The cautious, the fearful, the meek, the hesitant. We don't let them in the dojo. These are the heels. Of course, you might feel this way, cautious, fearful, hesitant. But in the Budo Karate Dojo, we learn that showing strength begets actual strength. Therefore, unlike the, in the American system, where you don't actually volunteer unless you feel gung-ho, in the Budo Karate system, you must volunteer in order to get strong. What about the time where your teacher does not request a volunteer? Even better, volunteer anyway. Spill more sweat than what's required of you. Kick higher, key high louder, learn faster than those around uh, around you because you chose to go the extra mile voluntarily. Why not find something to do that might benefit the dojo and offer to do it? Come to your senpai teacher at a time when they're not busy and say, Senpai, can I clean the locker rooms after training tonight? Or Sensei, I see that I da- that damage wall needs repairing. Can I come in this weekend, weekend perhaps and fix it? This always volunteer mentality is a great thing that I learned, uh, that I saw um, or was listening to on the podcast with uh, Pat McNamara on the Jocko Willink podcast. I would look it up because on there he became a, he was Army Special Forces and as part of the Army Special Forces he was saying the big way, the big thing to his success in there, the reason he got so good at what he did was because he volunteered for everything. Someone would shout, do you want to come learn a new language? Han would go, yeah, I'll come do it. Do you want to come learn this new weapon system? Yeah, I'll do it. You know, Do you want to, come, do, you want to do a, a deployment of this country? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. This pays off in work and in life and in martial arts and everywhere. If you volunteer for things... I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say it was um, Richard Branson who said, don't think, oh, well, I'll get around to doing something. Do the job, you know, take the job now, learn how to do it later. Because by the time you've learned how to do something, the opportunity's gone. Gone. Someone else has took it, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, especially in the dojo, you want... uh, Your instructor does not want to, to be devoid of volunteers. He doesn't want to go... What no one wants to do this right now. I'll pick someone because now you're annoying your instructor. That's not what you. That's not yeah, what you're setting out to do. It. Yeah, 
if you put your hand, if everyone puts the hand up, he has no shortage of volunteers. Doesn't matter if he picks the same one every time. It's the fact that you are volunteering. You are putting your hand up because you never know. You might actually get a chance to do something someday. But if you never volunteer to do something, how are you ever going to learn how to do it? So you never, yeah, you never, yeah, yeah. You might not get picked, but at least you're putting yourself out there and to grab the opportunity to be able to, to yeah. do it. So, I mean, if your if your workplace offers you the, the opportunity to do a new course, say, I mean, Connor and I worked at a factory at one point. Uh, we both did at one point. Connor still works there now, producing certain electrical fittings. Now, they might have a, a course, someone, right, can I have someone to go over to this section of the factory? Does anyone want to volunteer to do this job here, but you'll need to do this quick course? Does anyone want to volunteer to go work there? If you're in a workplace, put your hand up for things, even if you don't like it. If you go to a job, if you go to an area and find you don't like it, well, then now that's something extra. Now you know you don't like it. That's now more knowledge in your mind. You've got a bit of knowledge of doing the job, but now you know that you can't do it or, you know, you're unable to do it at that moment in time. You know that you don't like the job, you know, but you're never going to find those these bits of information out unless you put your hand up and volunteer. You know, an instructor notices when someone's at the back not volunteering. It also begets, begets uh, a negative mindset of, well, I don't want to volunteer for that. And eventually you're in, well, I can't volunteer for that. And eventually yeah. you're in, I can't do that at all. So I'm not going to volunteer for that. And you end up in a negative mindset. You just put your hand up. But eventually, you do it enough. To, if you're scared to put your hand up, the best way to get over being scared of putting your hand up is... Put your hand up. You, yeah, there you go. Put your hand up. Put your hand you, up. Yeah. You don't get over your fear of driving by not getting in a car. You don't sit there, exactly. I'm too scared to learn how to drive a car. Get behind the wheel of a car and learn how to drive it. It may still be scary, but you're at least you're in control of the situation. That's it. It's, it's about being in control of the situation. Yeah. If you volunteer, you're in control of the fact that you volunteered. You have taken an active step in your volunteering. If your instructor then picks you, well, then you're still in control of that because you volunteered for the, the position or the, the job in the first place. If you aren't volunteering and then your instructor picks you, you have no control over that situation. Because he's just yeah. picked you out, of a, you know, he's picked your face out of a crowd now. I mean, I was on a selection course with the with the army, and the <laughs> the staff on the course went right. I need a volu- I need four volunteers. So me and three other people put my hands up. He went right, one, two, three, four. Put your hands down. Well done, lads. Then he picked four random other people to do the jobs right. instead. You know, and he and it's that mentality of he doesn't want he, you know the people who are putting the hands up. He's like right, oh, I respect the fact that you put your hand up. The other people that haven't but put their hand up, yeah. I'm coming for you because I know you don't. I don't. Yeah, I know you yeah. don't want to do something. And the thing is, next time they'll put their hands up, thinking, "Oh, you'll not pick me." And be like, "Right, okay, thanks." <laughs> Off you oh go. yeah, thanks for volunteering. You're not good at the fact of the matter is you never win. I like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, but but yeah. it is brilliant. It's not a matter yeah. of winning, but you are taking control over the situation. That's it. Yeah, it's a big Definitely. part. A very big part of it is uh, that control. At least you can't. Well, you can't. You know, people say, "Well, I don't control him picking me." Yeah, yeah, you do because you put your hand up. Doesn't matter who he picks, you're going for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 brilliant. Take the control. The actions that give you more control are better. Yes, you're still at their mercy, but you're in control of everything in the meantime. And it's 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 
it, it is brilliant. Volunteer for everything you can. Honestly, it, it shows as well that you care for the team. If someone says, right, I need volunteers for to go learn a, a CPR course or a first aid course, especially with a martial arts uh, studio, um, rules in England, you need to have certain first aiders and all that on time, you know, around the area. Um, if you're taking that for the team, it's, it's not even a matter of taking one for the team. It's a matter of, I'm going to grow the club by volunteering for this position. Yeah. You know? Now I'm helping the club get better. Now the club can do things. Now if anyone's injured, I can take control of the situation and help get them well again. You know, it's all these little steps over and over and over and over again that make the club better, that make you better, that make everything better. Volunteer for things. Honestly, you'll never you'll never be more satisfied in your life than when you start volunteering things because eventually it just comes second nature. Eventually yeah, you won't. Eventually, I'd rather be told, stop volunteering because we want other people to do it for you. You'd rather be told that than you never volunteer for anything, so we're going to pick you now. It At that point, self-growth with personal growth as well. Um, absolutely. You know, the, the more you volunteer for, the more you're going to learn. Who wants to sit yeah. there and not learn anything? Yeah. Why'd you turn up to the that, club in the first place? That goes back to that lazy mentality of I'll have things handed to me. I'll learn whatever, yeah. whatever someone gives me. No. Well, um, you get it. Yeah, it's 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 more positive. Again, fight to be first. Fight to be the first one with your hand in the air. Fight to be the first one at the at the front of the queue. If you can't do something, well, get on the thing. And if they say, "Why do you volunteer?" Even though you can't do it, just go. Well, because I, I want to learn how to do it. Be honest and upfront. You know. I'd rather have someone volunteer for volunteer for something than admit the con you know, than admit the struggle with it after than no one ever volunteer whatsoever. Because yeah. I know that as the person who's volunteering, I can look at them and go, right, well, I can work with that. Because I know that person wants to learn. I know that person wants to do things. There is a certain point where people will say, Oh, well, at what point are you just, you know, brown nosing a little bit? Because you what you put your name in for everything. But then that comes down to how well people know you and don't you know, don't let them bring you down on that case you know people don't want to see people succeed you know well certain people don't want to see people succeed anyway but if you're in a room I and mean, when you're you're volunteering is starting to annoy people because they're ma- you're making them look bad well let them feel bad they should be volunteering in the first place you know yeah, what i mean a lot of the time people don't want other people to succeed is because they're scared of them um over like succeeding over them that, that, the yeah, that happens a lot in the in karate. Is people will put other people down because they're scared of them overtaking them. I hear it all the time, like when you're when you're at clubs and they're like, "Ooh, I'm close to getting past such and such." What is that the goal? Yeah. Or is if the you goal have a for you to to be better than you to be to better yourself? Yep, absolutely. If you are. If you have a personal competition with someone over a very specific thing and you're close to beating them, well, that's one thing. But like Connor says, I'm not going into the club every day to be better than Connor. I'm going into the club every day to be better than me. Better than you, yeah. The best way I've ever said, if, you, if, I clo- if I clone myself yesterday, could I kick my clone's ass tomorrow? Am I that bit much better? If I cloned myself today, like or, or Saturday at the time of recording this, and it came around to Monday. 
have I improved enough over them two days that I could kick my clone's ass today? At anything, not just physically, but, you know, emotionally or financially or something like that. You know, it's a good way of thinking about it. On the first of the month, am I better or worse than myself when I reach the 30th of the month? You know, if you're no further forward, no better, then you've done nothing. You've improved nothing. You've volunteered for nothing. You've not lived Budo for those 30 days. You know, this is why you do these 30-day challenges because people, it's easy to notice. It, it's easy to notice yourself getting better. You have to be better every yeah. day. Be better every day or you get worse. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse because you've not only because what you've done is you've wasted your own time. And you're not going to get your time back. So you've just got worse as far as I'm concerned. Your value depreciates over time. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I, I, I believe that. I, I don't think you get, you don't stay the same. You get worse because then your problems get worse because you're not doing anything about them. And you stay in this horrible state of everything else gets worse, you get worse until you start to get better again. So volunteer for everything, ladies and gentlemen, is the, is the, is the, the attitude. Model to, that, uh, to model to that rule, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> volunteer. Yeah. Volunteer and you will get better. Right, ladies and gentlemen. That about does it for this episode. We've been going on uh, a little bit here, and if we continued the way we are, then we'd probably be talking for about the next four weeks uh, about the rest of the rules on this. Uh, but the plan was to get all the rules finished by episode 10. This is episode 8, and, and we're, halfway we're definitely through. not going to hit our target. So mm-hmm. I do apologise for We do veer off track a little bit, but we do like to get um, our, our points across, so... And yeah. I, we, we hope you uh, appreciate that as well because yeah. we could literally just quickly blast through the book and get this done. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we'd rather talk about it how it means. People, that's it. We do. We want to get our views out and, and our points across. So yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. If anyone, else, yeah, if anyone else has a different viewpoint on some of these rules or they have interpreted any of them differently or they are, you know, you have a different just a matter of opinion or a mild change or you agree or anything, please let us or know in the comments. disagree. Section. Yeah, if you, you flat out disagree. You, you don't agree with what we're saying, let us know. Yeah. Volunteer think, to tell us. Um, There is a thing in the description. Obviously, I'll be putting the Facebook link in the description as well, so you just click on that and I'll take it straight to our Facebook page. Uh, give us a like, let us know on there. Or there's a, and I'm not sure how it works, I've never used it, uh, voice messages or something the podcast i think you send in a voice message it comes to us we listen to it uh, and then we can discuss that issue or uh, that 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 comment yeah but again i'm not sure how that works i've never really looked into it but yeah uh, the comment sections there. and all that are very different uh, on your different platforms uh, and it's great if you're able to let us know especially on facebook where we can get a very a very public discussion about all these things it's yes, great 100% because, that tends to work better, Facebook, yeah. Yeah, because the more people we have discussing these things, the more we learn, you know, better together. You know, it's... Definitely. it's uh, you know, it's that heels, toes, dojo attitude. The dojo isn't just a building. The dojo is wherever you want to train. And if we can use Facebook to grow as a community, then that's our dojo for that. You know? A dojo is just a state... A dojo is just a place whatever you arbitrarily want to call your dojo. And if you want to call Facebook your dojo for the fact of getting a social discussion across, then it's your dojo. 
you know, a, a dojo is a dojo. Uh, it, it's just, it's wherever you want to be. But remember, the big thing is a Budo is a lifestyle. Budo is a state of mind. It's a way of lo- uh, looking at things. It's a way of living your life. It's a way of just generally improving everything and everyone around you by improving yourself first and foremost. Uh, and I think that's the big the big thing about this book, uh, which is great. Again, if you just swap, you know, teacher for boss in this book, it makes it would make a lot more. This is very applicable yeah, everyday it, life. It still makes sense, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that that's the beauty of the book. Yeah, and you swap it to subordinates, to superiors for the case of military or anything like that, then everything suddenly makes a lot more sense as well. Uh, and yeah, it's a great thing. It's a great book, and hopefully, once well, you know, once we've reached that certain point, we'll be able to give it away, and we'll be able to let uh, everyone else read it, and they can see exactly what it is that we're talking about, which is definitely great. So yeah, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is rule number sixty-six that we have reached there today. Uh, thank you very much for coming along for the ride with us so far. We will eventually get to the end of this book. And we will eventually get on to another book. We don't know when yet, but we will get there eventually. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today on this episode of the Marshall Way podcast. Connor, have you got any other closing thoughts for this? Yeah, just a few things. Uh, one, thank you to people listening. Um, it helps us carry on doing this. So, a big thank you to you guys. Um Thank you to you, Bradley. Very welcome. Uh, we have reached over 200 listens now on the podcast. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I didn't ever think it would. No, get that never big, thought it would but... reach that. Yeah, uh, it's 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 growing. Um, so thank you. Uh, and just again, you know, I, we keep going on about it, but the Facebook page is there. Um, give it a like. Let us know your thoughts and things. And just uh, a quick one. We we will come to the end of this book eventually. We don't know when, um, but eventually it will happen. But if you've got a book that you think uh, is worth us reading and breaking down and giving our point of views and things, let us know on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because... Why we would why we like to read what we like to read and discuss, we'd like to read what you would like us to go over and discuss because yeah. we, there might be books. There's definitely books out there that we haven't read that we know are going to give 100%. lessons for us, lessons for our viewers, lessons for everyone else. And there might be things that you think on there. Oh, well, this is going to be really important, and this is an impo- this book has an important message I want to get out there. And I would like someone else's opinion in a public forum so that we can discuss it and get better as a as a group of people. And if that book is the book that you have, let us know. Let we will get know. a copy and we will be happy to read it. More than happy. Unless it's Fifty Shades of Grey, in which case the book can yeah, be... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. Yeah. Yeah. But they, unless you had Fifty Shades of Black Belt... Yeah. <laughs> uh, we might one. be able I to... Like just, we might be able to discuss that at a later date. So yeah, that might, that we, we we should sit down and write that. that I'm going to write that. Fi- Fifty yeah. Shades of Black Belt. Great. I've got <laughs> that's my next million dollar idea. But before yeah, we get yeah. before we digress on that one, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much again for what for listening. 
Uh, like, share the podcast on everywhere that you are on social media. Drop us a comment. Let us know your thoughts. And once we reach that point, we will let you know exactly when and how you can enter our competition to be able to win a copy of this book, The Kyokushin Beginner's Guide by Nathan Lego. So, again, Connor, thank you very much for having me around. Uh, it's, well, yeah. great, it's great to do this with you. And we'll be back next week, ladies and gentlemen.